Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, the CEO at Fin, and I am joined once again by the jerk in the channel with the large bucket of rocks, also known as the president of CNWR, Jason Slagle. Jason, how are you doing? Good. <laughs> Honestly, that intro doesn't get any, uh, do- it doesn't get any, any more boring every time I say it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what that actually means, go listen to the first episode that we did with Jason, where we talked about uh, spooky SSO, single sign off. And yeah, ooh, a lot of myths surrounding SSO, apparently. So today we're going to talk about a topic that is the reason I first met you ever. Like the reason someone pointed you out. On the interwebs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Kyle Spooner. It was like, don't mess with that guy. Uh, or maybe it was Riggs. I don't know. Um, it's it was the, probably Riggs because knowing <laughs> where we met, he was there. He probably was. Uh, it, it's the current state of MSP vendors, but just the state of MSP vendors in general. So before Big we jump time. into the questions, anything you'd want to say? I know this is a blank canvas and I'm letting you uh, paint here, but... No, I mean, I... so. Over the years, my opinion on this hasn't changed, but it's changed a little bit. Like, and uh, it, I will say the outward state of vendors doesn't always necessarily match the inward state of vendors. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know how to fix some of the problems that I'm sure we're going to address. I mean, we need people smarter than me to, to figure this out. What does that mean? The outward doesn't match the inward? Uh, there are companies that I think are actually trying to affect change. Uh, and, you know, I'll pick on ConnectWise for they're better or worse, right? Like they're a, a million pound behemoth and uh, they they have a bad rep. But I will say that the people I deal with there on a fairly regular basis, uh, every single one of them cares and is trying to make it better. I just don't think they know how to do it. But we'll, we'll go into that. I was trying not to call people out by names, but you kind of forced me into a corner there. So oh, there you go. I, I said you could paint anywhere you wanted on the it's canvas fine. and you yeah. drew a circle around that statement. I did. I did. It's okay. It's so okay. I, I won't get spicy texts from anyone about that, I'm sure. Oh, you probably will. For sure. You get <laughs> spicy texts anyway from things you yeah. didn't even say on this podcast. So. so the MSB space has been booming. There's been a lot of vendors added, a lot of new vendors, also a lot of vendors adding new things. But are they providing more value? What are your thoughts on that? Maybe. Uh, so I'm going to give the the answer that makes Ray the the most angry of any answer I give. And the, the, the answer to that statement is it depends. Uh, there are there's a recent article that came out that I was quoted in. Uh, and what I said in that article, I, I wholeheartedly believe in that we have a lot of cool innovation happening uh, from you know, MSPs that are turning software vendors. Right. Uh, but I, what I will say is I do not believe that our uh, the big players in our industry, they're not adding additional value and they're, they're not innovating. And I will say that matter of factly, uh, I think that we are in an interesting spot where the MSP markets 
are very mature at this point, right? Like we've left the uh, uh, Carl Palachuk, you know, just build yourself a recurring services agreement and then manually do all these things every month and you're an MSP world to uh, a very mature space. Uh, in his updated book, I think covers a lot of this, but uh, a very mature space where we rely 100% on a ton of tools to be able to have uh, the ability to service the number of customers that we end up having to service, right? So like I've seen over my short, you know, five or six year career as an MSP and my 22 year career in IT before that, the number of systems or servers that a single admin is expected to manage go from like three to 10 to a hundred to like, we're, we're running hundreds now. Right. It's like, you know, I've, I've got a single sysadmin managing 350, 400 Linux VMs, right. Like in, in automation and tools that allowed that to happen. Uh, but that maturity has brought with it money. Right. And uh, the PE firms in particular, they see, uh, man, this 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 industry and is growing like hotcakes, and because it's growing like hotcakes, uh, you tend to see stupid amounts of investment money coming into it. And anytime you have stupid amounts of investment monies, uh, the amount of money, the cost essentially, or the revenue that a company goes for, that multiplier of EBITDA or revenue, whatever you want to track valuation by, those valuations go up. Uh, when those valuations go up, people are incentivized to go build things to sell. And I think generally the build to sell model isn't ne- doesn't necessarily serve the end user well. Like it can solve an immediate problem, but uh, uh, when it uh, when that sale inevitably happens, it's usually sadness for everyone involved. It is. It's a very opposite. I believe it's Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, if we were here forever doing this thing, what would we do? And let's do that thing today then. Now, I get that sometimes you can't act like that all the time, but it's still a great thought exercise is providing value forever versus just building yeah. for a sale. Well, and it's really interesting to, to, you know, to see that in the average tenure of the CEO, right? It used to be people would become CEO of Ford, right? I'm going to pick on them, right? And they'd be CEO for like 25, 30 years. The average tenure of CEOs now like is what, two to four years at most. And and so they, they tend to take... Uh, to go back to my nerd roots, they use a greedy algorithm. They take the locally optimized choice in all cases. Like, what can I do to pump the stock up now to to benefit myself in this exact moment, knowing that that problem that that's going to create four years down the road, that's going to be the next guy's problem. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, well, if I don't do this, my competitors are going to do it. So I have to in yeah. order to stay relevant as well. I've heard that sentiment echoed a lot by other people that I'm friends with that work at vendors or own, yeah. own other vendors as well. well I mean, in, in the MSP space in particular, we're seeing that now, right? We're seeing, I'm seeing the big three now because it was four and now two of them got smashed together to become an uh, evil superpower. Uh, uh, the, they are buying companies that I don't think they actually would normally buy just to stop their competitors from buying them. I don't know. When you have a lot of money, I guess that's what you start doing. Everything looks looks good to buy them. It, so I have a, a good friend of mine that used to work in baseball he was the director of baseball operations for the tigers and he called baseball like a giant board game where he's got like he gets given monopoly money right it's money that's not his money and his goal is to assemble with the money he has the most advantageous team of things which happen to be people right and that's that is the game that is the meta 
essentially of baseball, there's a meta in the MSP industry, right? Of, you know, if you have money and you can make a strategic purchase of a young company that is probably going to make something of themselves and then become a competitor to a product you already own later because they're out innovating you, or they're going to be snatched up by a competitor of yours once they get a little bit more mature and are again going to become a competitor. You can buy them now and just like, you don't even care if the company continues to exist. You can buy them just to remove that as an option down the road in the future. It's a pretty terrible place to live in, honestly. It's a world where the end user gets screwed on in both ways. Yeah. Not only yep. not only are they paying more to use that the, the big vendors' tools because, well, they made that money through profit, most likely, uh, but also you're then deprived of the innovation that that smaller entrant would have created, given enough time. Yeah, it's a hard place to be because sometimes those checks start looking very, very, very appetizing. Yeah, they do. I mean, we have a mutual good friend that exited to a company that made me very sad. And uh, at some point or another, the money is really hard to turn down. Because, uh, yeah, so that's, <laughs> I guess we've gotten away from the MSP vendors and into <laughs> what, does it look, what does it look like to actually sell your company? Um, but uh, one thing I want to focus on is um, a lot of our partners at Finn, a lot of partners that I talk with that I've just been friends with for quite some time, find it hard to identify the good from the bad. I don't, I don't want to say the good from the bad. The great from the average is how I'll put that. Just because they all say the same things. They all look the same. Nobody's going to come out right and say, yeah, I'm, I'm garbage. Please don't work with all of it. Nobody says that. So what are some tips that you, or what are some ways that you evaluate vendors or what are some ways that um, other people can actually figure out are they working with somebody who is yeah. going to be good for them? Uh, so... Okay, I have a number of tips or things I can give here, right? The one is uh, find out about contract terms. I have really big, I have, I have concerns about companies that want to lock you into three-year auto-renewing contracts, right? Because uh, if you can compete, I realize the ROI and I realize the reasons they do it. And I realize all the valuation reasons that people do that, right? Like, uh, however, they don't have to be auto-renewing and they can be a year and they don't impact your valuation as a vendor all that much, right? When you have a, an evergreen contract, especially with a short renewal time, what that tells me is you're concerned with keeping me forever, whether or not you plan to like actually continue to deliver and build value on your product. Uh, another big one that I use a lot of times, so I, I make ROI based decisions almost always these days, right? And I've already made the purchasing decision usually when I'm talking to somebody. But when I do talk to somebody new, uh, I my goal is to immediately get them off of their scripted demo immediately. Uh, I will push and I will poke and I will go whatever direction that I can in that demo to take them to an area of the program they do not want me to see. Because... <laughs> Uh, they're in ancient history. I worked with a company called Indicative, which eventually got bought by somebody, which eventually got bought by CA. It was a monitoring tool. And the demo was amazing. It was like epic. The best monitoring tool I've ever seen. As it turns out, I'm pretty sure the budget on the demo was higher than the budget for development of the entire product. So the understand when you're taking a demo of a product that that curated demo is the best you will ever see that product work. It will never work that good in your own usage because a lot of work went into making that demo look flawless. So yeah. if there's hiccups in the demo, you're definitely going to have hiccups when you go to use a product. And then, yeah, just get people off demos. Get them off the script. When, uh, when I did demos, one thing I always appreciated is somebody saying, so, you know, of course, you're going to tell me your shit doesn't stink, but what don't you do well? 
What do yeah. people not like? And I always loved going right into that because it was always the quickest way to fix it. Yeah. Like either address it head on or like try to understand how I should change the way things work. Um, but a lot of people won't ever ask that question yeah. because they feel like they'll never get a real answer. Uh, and the reality is most of the time you won't get a real answer, but you can smell it. You know yeah. when you're not getting yeah. a real answer. Yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of, a, you know, the universal interview question. Tell me about some of your like weaknesses, right? Like. Oh, I guess I care too much. Like that's a BS answer, and everyone knows it, right? Like it, it's uh, it it's not necessarily about the answer to the question. It's about your reaction when I ask it, and then you know, it reading the subtle body language and other hints in it when you do it. Yeah, I always ask, uh, when's the last time somebody was pissed at you, and how did you handle it? That's like, a good one. That's uh, that's way more indicative of how someone's yeah. gonna gonna treat you and others. Uh, and then the second question I always ask is. Yeah, works great. And I'm, I really hope you enjoy your time here. Like, I'm hoping you're only applying because you want to work here. However, uh, what do you do outside of work? Like, yep. this is, this is this much of your life. Yeah. What do you do with the rest of it? I want to know who you are. Yeah, we ask that. You got to be careful because uh, that's somewhat protected in some places now. So people can get cranky like, oh, what's the matter to you? Like, but uh, yeah, we usually try to, it's the same thing. Uh, it, we, we talked about, uh, I think before we came on, we were talking about hiring and culture and other things like that. In the end, I consider the relationships I have with the good vendors that I appreciate and use to be similar to the relationship I have with my employees. And I want a cultural fit with my vendors. Yeah. Right? Like I, I appreciate you guys because I can just go into your Slack channel and, you know, hassle the crap out of you and, good naturedly review and the memes flow and like all the things. So like we're a good cultural fit for one another. And, uh, and there's, and that's the case with a, a lot of, uh, a lot of other uh, vendors that I actually use really well. Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Was, you go. What's, what were you about to say? Uh, I have the final piece of it. When you, if you, when you ask me, cause my third one of these I've recorded uh, over the last little bit. So when you ask me my final piece of advice, I have a good one. Okay. Uh, no, I, I was going to ask, uh, so what are some other ways folks can actually identify? So it's, you know, make sure you get people off the canned demo. Yep. Um, a piece of advice I've always given is go ask the community, especially yep. if you're an MSP. It's like yep. people don't shit on vendors that are actually good. Um, yeah. Largely, uh, I would say largely, you know, there's always the bad apple. But um, if you talk to a lot of your friends and a lot of your a lot of the folks in your industry aren't saying good things, it's probably... Probably for a reason. Yeah, go look at Glassdoor, right? Like oh, and how they treat their employees. Yeah, oh. go look at how it is to work there, right? That's another one I've done in the past, right? Like, you know, I if if a place is treating their employees poorly, then they're almost certainly going to be uh, treating their uh, yeah. customers poorly. And even if they're not, it means that my I'm going to go through 14 different salespeople, right? Like, and, and support people aren't going to stick around long enough to actually be good at it. Yeah, I really like your perspective of when I work with a when I'm work when you're working with a vendor specifically with how typically ingrained they have to be in your business and yeah. clients' business. It's like this is like one of my employees. I want to be able to access them in a certain capacity. I'm gonna yeah. treat them a certain way and I want them to have the same level yeah. of respect for me. But a lot of people a lot don't think a lot like that. So you know what? You said you had the thing for the, for the yeah. last thought. So for anyone who's listening who wants to learn a little bit more or you have one piece of advice for them, what is it? What's that one piece? When you build your contracts with your vendors, if they force you into anything other than a month-to-month contract, add an exit clause on sale. Oh, if they sell. If they sell, you have, you have the right to notify or you have the right to cancel within 90 days of notification of a sale, right? Uh, it, it is 
I I am starting to write that into anything I do going forward if they require a contract uh, because the evil empire has bought enough of my uh, things, enough of my uh, products that I use. And I just generally don't want to do business with them. So I'm starting to write that clause in the contracts. And, and if they won't do that, that's probably a red flag. But yeah, because... Well, that well, that means they are. In, everyone's interested in selling at some point, but that means that they think it yeah. would be detri- detrimental to their. their yeah, and when when some of the vendors in our space are hiding acquisitions because they know they're going to impact the earnout of the company they're buying because it's going to negatively impact their sales and it's going to negatively impact their retention, then we have a problem. There's a few uh, that yeah. I that I think I know are like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a few. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Yep. Um, this was a blast, as always. Yeah. Uh, your candor and your honesty, however spiky people feel, is refreshing at some points. <laughs> cool. Thank so you. You at least got that from me. Uh, yeah. If uh, if anyone's interested in, in reaching out to Jason or saying, hey, on LinkedIn, we'll put all of his content information everywhere you can find him in the show notes. So feel free to reach out. All right. Really? See you all next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.